0: to be back i liked watching hockey all day it was a lot of fun i
1: i miss that it, I, I, it was you know
0: what it's like you could complain about the quality of the game or the quality of the officiating or whatever or how it looks weird on tv that they're playing in a tv studio i just liked watching hockey again getting up watching hockey for the minute i wake up to the minute i go to bed is something that the nhl should really have back when we return to normal whenever that is because, like, these kind of days on a playoffs, start the playoffs on a Saturday, start a first game at noon, go all throughout the day. No one's going to complain about that. This is, this is fun. I watched early, recording this Monday afternoon, so I enjoyed watching Rangers Hurricanes. Now I'm watching Jets Flames. It's, it's, it's great, and I get different choices of games. I get different things that I can see. And we already have, like, a ton of controversy because Matthew Kachuk's being an idiot. So, you know, it's, it's great. Hockey's back.
1: I got a lot of ideas, uh, but I want to agree with you first off. Uh, it's, it's great to be back. I Whether it's just I'm naive or I'm overly optimistic, I'm very happy with the product that the NHL is putting out right now. I like, you know, even just the tarps they're putting over the first row seats and just that steel blue coloring and that vague, you know, NHL logoing, nothing really corporate – um, those lower scoreboards with the highlights and everything, uh, and the graphics. Um, I think that, you know, teams that can't fill out a building should adopt this style, put all the fans in the upper deck. Uh, I'm talking about Florida, uh, one, because those are actually the better vantage points to to actually see the whole play and the play unfold, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and, you know, I think it's just, better for the players uh i think that atmosphere than what they're playing in right now especially when you go back to each team playing in their own ranks so the ice isn't going to be as soft and warm and choppy um it, it's actually a great atmosphere because there's no idiots pounding on the gr- g- glass or you know you know idiots doing stuff it's just
0: shoot on a power the
1: focus point. yeah yeah it's nice or it's it's at least you know a keeping the fans a little removed uh kind of like an outdoor game where there's I like that I feel, barrier you know
0: what if the nhl has to limit attendance when the next season starts like this is a thing that i could see them maybe not necessarily building the giant Ex- screens but it's a thing that i could see them maybe doing you know it, 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 and then it looks good on tv you know when you look right. at some of the other places where there's no fans i mean fox does virtual fake fans for their baseball games and it's really uncanny valley and i can't stand it but for this, like when you look at it on TV, I'm watching Jets Flames right now, you really don't notice it. It's not something that is v- visually, as somebody who works in TV and has done stuff on TV, it doesn't look visually that bad. It blends in with the background so your eyes don't immediately go to that. Because it's close enough to the color of the ice where it's just like, it's just there. It's not something you're thinking about. And that's good. And the other thing that I, I, I like, the fake crowd noise, I've heard it much worse on other sports than I've heard it in hockey. Much worse. Like, it's there, but it's so low in the track. And speaking as somebody who's an audio editor for, you know, this podcast and other shows, like, you don't hear it. Again, it's there, but you don't notice it, and you're not thinking about it. And that's really good, because when you're thinking about it, you're not thinking about the game. And the goal for the NHL is to make this seem as much of a normal game as possible, considering it's not normal and it won't be. And I think that they've done as good a job as they can at doing that. You know, putting on the Jumbotrons, attendance is nothing. Like, lean into the idea that this is not normal and we're still in the middle of a pandemic at the right times, but during the other times, if you make it seem as normal as possible, it's going to work, and the fact is, it feels like it's worked for every single game. It's not just like, oh, it's worked for one game, and you know, I see it on the national broadcast, I've seen it when I've seen the clips of the games on the local RSNs, like if you're watching on Fox Sports Florida, it's not going to look any different. So that's a credit to the NHL for making that work, so... For all of the periphery and the fact that there were no positive tests in the bubble, I mean, it gives you a lot of hope that they could pull this off. And again, this is going to go on for a while, so you hope it lasts. But right now, the fact is it's it's working pretty well, and I give a lot of credit to the NHL for pulling this off. I, I think we, we look at what happened with baseball, with all the outbreaks and all these other things that are going on, and you realize just how complicated and difficult it is to make this bubble work. And you see what the NHL's done, and you see what other leagues, NWSL, MLS nba wnba and you have to give them a ton of credit for getting the bubble to work as it has and it's not a given that's going to continue to work but the start is very optimistic and i'm hopeful this continues and i'm hopeful we're going to get to see hockey like this for a couple of weeks and it's it's actually pretty good hockey all things considered the round robin game's not as much but it's pretty good hockey the qualifier games have a good intensity uh, about it and again it's not and even the teams that are kind of bad it's not like you can tell like, oh man, they shouldn't be here. Like sometimes you have moments like that, but it's not the worst quality game. They're not blowouts. They're not like, wow, why the hell are we doing this? So I'm impressed with all of that, just on the periphery before we get to specific things. So I, I give credit to the league. I give credit to all the people who work. worked. Maybe your statements on social injustice could have been a little bit better and you could have helped Matt Dumba by having somebody else kneel or raise their fist. Poor guy. He can't do this on his own. I mean, I'm a bigger Matt Dumba fan than I've ever been now, and part of me wants to buy a Matt Dumba jersey, but please, give, give him some help. Somebody else needs to help him and take the load off his shoulders. But other than that...
1: All right. <laughs> there, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, I I like the, the detail and the execution. I mean, whether whether you want to say something about Batman with lockouts or TV, you know, the, the lackluster TV deal, or, you know, some, some other valid criticism, they know how to plan and execute and put on a good event for the fans. Uh, they do this every year at the draft. They do this every year, uh, at all-star, uh, you know, and it's geared to kids and families uh, a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, you can say that sometimes their award shows are boring. I, I tend to agree. Uh, and sometimes they aren't, you know, they're too risk averse, uh, in their programming. I, I also agree with that, but overall they put, compared to other leagues, I think they put a, on a quality event, uh, and this is just another showcase of that. Uh, and it goes under the details with, you know, you're looking at the boards, you can tell that they're switching over the ads on the boards. Um,
0: yeah, they're switching and, the boards for, like, the local teams. So, yeah, like, so they're
1: getting it done in, what, the uh, 90 minutes or two hours in between games and
0: ice is not bad You, you see like and also as a broadcaster i know how difficult it is to do games off of monitors hockey is not a sport that's really conducive to do games off of monitors uh they're pulling it off decently well i'm i'm pleased with that i mean you can tell that some of these games are being called off monitors and it stinks but such is life and the fact that there are some announcers in the bubbles and they're safe i mean i mean that's good again, other than their social justice things, which I guess maybe we should save for another podcast, because that's a whole other kettle of fish and I'm not I'm not gonna basically my whole stance on that is I am not giving them credit for doing the bare minimum anymore. It's like I'm not giving the Panthers credit for making the playoffs. You should be doing that by now. Do more.
1: I, I think that we're just I'm just at a point where I wanna see more actions than words and if we get to a point where we're forcing people to do stuff like the Pledge of Allegiance or salutes to police officers that we do at every game and it becomes one of those things uh you know i i think you know yeah so i just want to keep it measured and keep the focus on actions in the community and i you know all that stupid stuff i probably sound like an idiot i'm not the best qualified person to speak on all this so
0: when you saw what what happened with the prayer circles you know the kumbaya stuff before games and that just looked Terrible, so at least they got it more right when the real game started, but poor Matt Dumba, like somebody help him, please. Like one of his teammates needs to to do something just to show support because the poor guy's doing this on his own. That's not fair to him. And I'm thinking. I mean,
1: about, I, I would too, but it's the the issue is we just have
0: the, the hockey culture. It's but.
1: such leave it to Beaver culture in the NHL, um, if you true. know what I mean. Yeah. So, so it, let's it, talk it's about tough. The
0: actual uh, hockey. Uh, we're going to keep this podcast yep. a little bit shorter, uh, because by the time you listen to this, there might be another game going on that you're watching. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep it short. Um, in terms of uh, which team do you want to start with? Because we, you like three teams, we like three teams here at Y Hockey. Which do you want to start with first?
1: I think we have to start with the Avalanche, with how they uh, ended See, Game we're
0: One. with 0001 seconds left on the clock.
1: Yep, that's how they do it. They're uh, exciting. I don't think that. Uh, if you look at their recent history they're the avalanche are controversial they're you know they're exciting uh, you know they're always walking the fine line of the cliff kind of uh, and uh, when you when you think about how they play it's five guys in the picture everybody's attacking everybody's capable of taking on an opposing player one-on-one beating them uh, and, and taking the puck to the net and, and scoring uh, or setting up uh, a teammate. Uh, everybody's capable of sliding back and filling in a defensive role and, and handling themselves, um, you know, for a short period of time and, and then cycling back out. They they play a very much rotational, aggressive, uh, fluid style of hockey, and it's it's some of the most fun i've had watching hockey in the last decade. uh it is you know the last year and a half of colorado hockey and they've certainly made me a fan.
0: They are they are good now again i don't think the round robin games tell you all that much about the teams cuz they they're not the same level of uh, intensity as the qualifiers obviously. But i mean
1: i mean i i think not, it's, it's pretty, pretty indistinguishable. If you if you ask me it's pretty indistinguishable cuz those are the teams in the round robin are, are teams that, you know, know what time of year it is, know that they have to be, you know, uh, in lock step uh, on the same page. Uh, and, and you see a certain professionalism and a certain attention to detail and, uh, uh, you know, strength on their skates and finishing checks and uh, that you don't necessarily see with teams like, uh the panthers or um you know some of the the teams in the play in series that, that dinner-
0: for number 1 i'm thinking about that right now yeah um i they were they they're, they're, they're going to be a, a threat obviously i don't know if they're the best team in the west but there are times when they play like it and there are times when i'm like there there's nobody's beating them and then there are times when i'm like eh, i'm not so sure we'll see about i if i if i was gonna pick who was gonna win the west i mean colorado would have to be up there as one of the absolute favorites but there's still something about them i mean just the way that it went ended last year i mean some of it of course frustrating against the sharks but i mean like there there would be one of the teams i would think would be one of the best teams uh in the west uh the other team you like that is actually somewhat good how about how about the flyers now that was a team i watched that game most most of it and um Boy, they, they were really impressive. That was as good as. I mean, I don't watch the Flyers as much as you do, but I mean, maybe I should if they're going to play like that because they were great in that game. And it, and it brings back something you were talking about. I mean, they might not have, you know, like the highest high end talent, but if you play like that, it doesn't matter because almost no one is going to beat the Flyers if they play like that. It's a matter of whether they can do it consistently. I don't know whether they can or not, but. They were great against Boston. And if they play like that, they have every chance of beating Washington, Tampa, or any number of other good teams in the East.
1: Like every team's cup chances, it starts in net. And Carter Hart, uh, you know, showed yesterday against Boston, granted he didn't have to go against Tuca Rask, he went against Halak, but uh, he showed that he can handle uh, the pressure and he's he's ready for the moment right now uh and you know we'll see when they get into their first series how he responds then but uh you know philadelphia hasn't won since 2012 in the playoffs uh a series so it's it's time for them to really take the next step and they're gonna go how hard
0: enough matchup against the flyers i i could easily like they, they they i mean again one game who cares But like if even if they were playing against a Pittsburgh right now, I would still give them a pretty decent chance of winning that series because they looked just everything about them looked calm. It didn't look rushed. It didn't look like they were phased by any of it. They just played their game. And it's it sounds really simple and kind of stupid to say, like, if your team plays your game, you're going to win. But they they played their game, and it looked like they were going to win. And, I mean, I remember in, like, June, we kind of joked about them, oh, they traded for Matt Niskin and what the heck are they doing? Why are they doing these things to these trades? But now, like, you can see why they did it. Because if you're going to run out, your top three horses are the defensemen that they have, um, Sandheim, Myers, and Provorov. And then you just have good, solid defensemen behind them who know what their roles are. It allows the Flyers to play the way they play and – they can do a lot of different things because they don't have to rely on all, all those top three to do everything. Because they just know the other guys in the bottom parts of the defense pair are just going to do their jobs, and they have the depth. Like they can, when you talk about rolling four lines, like they actually roll four lines. And you know, maybe Nate Thompson, Derek Grant aren't great, but they just get what they need to get out of those players, and that's why they're Derek great. Derek they're having
1: Grant's a having a great year.
0: They're, he is having a great year, but they're just very balanced overall. And uh, that that gives you a chance again. I don't know if they're better than Washington or Tampa. I don't know if they're better than Boston when they get their sea legs underneath them. But they, they have a chance if they play like that. And specifically, those defensemen, those top three defensemen, were awesome. You know, and I think about the a lot we do on this podcast. I I
1: include uh, I include Niskanen in there. I mean, I was as much of a doubter as you as you said. And uh, um, I, I've I've liked how you know they the. Vigneault's come in and he's found fit him and and Fletcher have been able to to assemble a at the NHL level, a team that uh, can push and have success and, you know, is threatening to, uh, uh, you know, any of the other contenders in the East and West, I think, you know, and even more so than the Avalanche, the Flyers are, I think, a real contender for the the Cup. Uh, With those two defensive pairs, we talked about Hart, and then we look at you Know their center depth. I, I like it. Hayes has come in and, and really impressed me. That was another so, guy I thought
0: made fun of all those signings. are like, God, these are bad.
1: Well, I mean, first, we have to just on the face value as they came from the Rangers at last, so that's just you know, we have to make fun of that. Uh, and then second, um, you know, they what Hayes has done, I think, has overshot what anybody thought he was he was going to do except maybe you know the the biggest hayes believers um we'll see how that contract goes over the course of it but you you know the idea was they were paying for hitting this in jeru's window uh and they need and if hayes is going to play like you know he is now this year next year uh it's you know under that guise it's it's a success
0: you could argue that Ron Heckstall was too patient with the with the flyers yeah. and you could probably say that, but like when you argue you can't argue the development of, of some of those players, particularly on the what? blue line, that it just it, they've just worked. They've just worked. Every single one of them has just they they and even when like one player like Bear doesn't quite pan out the way you think he's going to, they just found somebody else. And they just and they just do what they have to do. They just replace those players. Nobody on the Flyers is irreplaceable. Maybe except Carter Hart, but I mean the Flyers already dealt with goaltending woes for a million years, so maybe you should give them some slack.
1: Yeah, everything they do, you know, works. They they move they bring in Obe Kubel, who you know was a y Hockey second third round you know highlighted prospect back in the day. Um, he he's come in and he's you know been valuable, and you know when he hasn't been going, uh, Vigneault's dropped him down or, or you know moved him to a new center. Uh, so to speak, and got him going again. And I think it just kind of every, everything's working together for Philadelphia in a way it hasn't since 2010. Uh, and it's it's been a long time. And, you know, Philadelphia certainly put a lot of money uh, and patience, and, and the fans have put a lot of patience and, and money into this rebuild. And That's, it's just nice to see.
0: It is working. Uh, so now let's get to the team that you all want to hear us yell about. Uh, I don't know if there's as much yelling as we thought
1: yeah, there's. What's left to yell out. about? Uh,
0: but I don't. Let, let's focus on. Let's focus on this for a second. Uh, with with this team, I was when it was two nothing. I was going, uh oh, like this is going to get away from them fast because that's what happened against Tampa and they were awful against the Lightning. Let's not make excuses, even though they didn't have their two best defensemen. Uh, I thought it was going to get away from them then they they played a lot better after that now again you shouldn't be waiting until you're down to nothing to actually play good hockey and that that's bad but for all that could have gone wrong i think the best optimistic point for the panthers after that game one was it didn't get away from them and now they just have to do something that seems to be impossible for them which is actually play good from the start if they do that if you get the islanders chasing the game which is hard to do but if you get them chasing the game you can beat them They don't have anybody on that team that goes, you go, wow, that's an amazing stand. They're like, in many ways, they're a worse version of the Flyers. It's just like they just have a lot of solid players. Everybody's solid other than Barzal, but Barzal wasn't great in that game either. So you just have to be something to get them to chase the game. And that means you have to start on time, which they can never do. And hopefully they can, but I think that's asking too much. But the fact that they didn't get just completely whitewashed after that bad start was, to me, hopeful optimism that at least in the games ahead they they feel now at least a little bit better that you know because after that Tampa game it was just awful they just have to find a way now to start like that and play like that more consistently because once they started to get a foothold in the game they really did dominate in many respects but they just have to do that more and I don't know whether they're capable of doing that um, especially when you are um, playing everyone's favorite, Mike Matheson, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but that was my general takeaway from the game. Uh, what did you think about that?
1: They are who we thought they are, and, you know, like you said, uh, you know, chasing is a good word. They, they don't show – they play down to the competition. You know, if it's an afternoon game, they show up late. They, you know, they're, they're just not into games – until until, you know, they get yelled at or, you know, they're starting to, to, get, to feel some shame or embarrassment at their performance or something and the internal overdrive kicks in, like cause you want to prove yourself or or, you know, when when shifts start getting cut, uh, you know, later in the game or, you know, that's when they start, you know, with that carrot and stick sort of mentality. That's when they start showing up. Um, but it, it's something that has gone, you know, back.
0: I mean, definitely through I Talons ten years. It's been happening like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's through many coaches. It's through Talons ten years. I would, I, it, I, my memory doesn't serve me, but I bet you, I venture, it's through multiple GMs. It's I don't know if it's because they're close to the beach or whatever cliche or you know, things that Florida Panthers fans have heard all the time, that they're coming here to retire or what have you. But uh, there is that, you hear it from Pronger on his way out. You hear from Ole Okenen when he's on the outs with the franchise. You hear from Thomas Vokun when he's on the outs from the franchise. All these other guys that it's Jay bo It's, there's no culture of winning. There's no expectation of winning. There's no, rea- there's no understanding of what, it, winning is supposed to be and when there is that understanding there's not the desire to do what it takes to get there at some level whether it's players not having it anymore or not being motivated or just not uh, you, you know talented enough whether it's management you know not uh, you know
0: it, there's a lot of, of things what we do because everybody talks about there are no expectations and that is correct there are no expectations of the florida panthers but that does not mean that we shouldn't be saying we expect you to do better and i think most fans you know they've they've long accepted it and and internalized it and that, that that's why we do what we do here because we are going to hold the panthers to account no matter what it takes and even if nobody's listening At least we know, we've said, we're not going to stand for this mediocrity. You have to be better than this, and that's why we do what we do. And that's what we're trying trying to do with this, because this is an opportunity that the Panthers, if they take advantage of it, at least they can prove somewhat that they're not all of what we say they are. And that should be at least something – you know, and, and for some of these players, like, I know they want to win. I don't think it's a problem with everybody. I think it's, there's definitely just that rot in the organization, of course, and there are some players that it just it happens with. Ooh. But then it's also, it also comes down when you watch Mike Matheson, who, good Lord, I mean, have, I've never seen Matheson play two worse games back-to-back than he's played, and he's played a lot of bad games. And I feel bad picking on him, but we have to because this was a disaster, this, this second game too. It's the kind of that. It's like Mike Matheson in game two should not play. He should not play. Even if it's Josh Brown, who is also bad, Mike Matheson cannot play in game two. Like, that is the kind of stuff that we need to see from the Panthers, saying if you're going to play like that, you are not going to play. There needs to be a standard. And what I worry about is there isn't a standard. You know what I mean? Like, you could bring in Brian Boyle and Colton Sevier's and all these other players, and they could get all the chats about the superlatives and things like that. But it doesn't matter if they're not going to play well. You got you to bench them. You know, the Panthers need the creativity in the lineup. You saw what you had in game one. You had two days off. Now it didn't work. If Lucas Walmark's healthy, play him. Play Alexi Sarla. You tried the grit and the toughness, and it got you a goal. It's gotten you one goal in 120 minutes. Try something else. This is, what, this is You have to do it. You cannot continue to go with what you've gotten. And, like, you got a great game from Sergei Bobrovsky. He played perfectly well. The two goals were not his fault. They need more run support. And the grit and the toughness, you're not going to have grit and out toughness to the Islanders. So try something else. And if that means bringing in Sarla and trying a few things, Joel Quenville put the lines in the blender after the first period so you knew it wasn't working. So let's try different players. Bring in Owen Tippett, God forbid. Try something. This is your chance. Take advantage of it. You have really nothing to lose at this point. Do it. And again, it, it doesn't matter if there's some hurt feelings. Bench Mike Matheson. You need to do it. Bench Brian Boyle. You need to do it do these things make the hard decisions and that'll get players to stand up and notice. Cause what do you think the accountability in the room is if Mike Batheson continues to play when he almost got suspended? Well, he didn't, he wasn't going to get suspended for completely failing to execute a hip check properly. Like Dmitry Kulikov once did. Uh, it's just like that kind of stuff. That's the, that's what we're talking about. And I know that it's there. Joel Quenville's done it before. He just needs to do it now. And I think my hope is that it happens. Because I think that they know they have a chance if they play like they did, but it's not having a chance. It's taking advantage of that chance at this point.
1: Yeah, I'll try to get a few thoughts in, in between there. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I – the team just – they played – once they got going, they played to the level you would expect – uh, you know they were able to get to 50 50 puck battles they were able to I- engage uh, in 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 the play more they were able to dictate play more uh, and get out of their zone even uh, but they're not at the point where they can even just, Outclass the, the Islanders. You know, what I would say in, in a non coronavirus year is a middling playoff, you know, bubble team.
0: The Islanders that, are not going to win a playoff series well, if they play like that because other teams are just going to find a way to score against them and to get them out of their shape. You're not going to beat Washington or Tampa playing like that. You just, you're not. I mean, I know Tampa lost a series like that and the Capitals have lost a series like that too, but you can't win every game 2 1 and expect to play a perfect game in that system every single night. You just can't do that. They did last year, and credit to them for doing it, but it's not a method that wins you a bunch of series because you saw what happened against Carolina. So, like, this team is beatable. The Panthers can beat them. They just haven't shown the capability of beating them. And my question is whether it can change. I think the number one thing for me that was, was concerning was when, when you talk about breaking the puck out of their zone, what was the thing I, I noticed in the first period? We talked about it. The Ds just weren't strong enough on the puck. You know, they were getting hit. They were getting rid of the puck too early. They were making bad decisions. They were making rush decisions, and that led to Islander chances. And it was a lot of it was Matheson, but also Stillman had problems with it. I can understand that because it's, it's probably Stillman's first game like this. You know, Stroman had trouble like this. Ekblad and Wieger shrugged it off and eventually played a lot better by the end of the game. But you need to have your D be stronger on the puck in that way, and you need to be able to fight off that forecheck and to be able to get the puck out. And if the Panthers don't do that, like, we've seen that in years. Like, if they don't get the puck out the first time, they're in their own zone for two minutes and they're screwed. They need to have stronger play on the puck from the back end. And I think, again, it changed a little bit towards the end of the game, but it needs to start like that.
1: Their defense just isn't structured well for this type of hockey, so I, I'm not sure how uh, it's going to, you know, match up with the Islanders, a, a team that, you know, their defense, their team defense is, is well-oiled and, you know, their penalty killing, all of that uh, is in tip-top shape, so... It'll be interesting. I think they have a chance if, you know, they put in Brady Keeper, if they don't play Mike Matheson, if they, you know, they can limit Josh Brown's usage if, you know.
0: I mean, I I like the, the top line played pretty well. They put them back together, and, I mean, that, that goal was great. Like, that's what I want that line to be doing every single game, and it looks like they can do that. But I just I just need more from everybody else, you know, like – like, I know they only had one power play because after that first period where the refs called everything, including stuff that wasn't penalties, you know, they just disappeared. So I need more from everybody else. And that's what I'm saying. You got to bring in, like, Brian Boyle's going to do the little nitty-gritty things, but I don't care. Like, they need goals. You're I'm, not going to win uh, not scoring goals. You need to bring in the talent that's going to score goals and and take those chances and those risks. This is playoff hockey. You got to take those at some point.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for for Joel Quinville is start reacting to what he's seen as his first year as a head coach. He's had plenty of games here. Uh, you know, he had enough time with the break to look at tape all over again, and had then had enough advance of who the Islanders were and everything. And now he's had the two days off here. So I'm, I need to see something in the game two lineup. I need to see something in the game two strategy. I need to see something, you know, in the, game two preparedness and readiness to play and competitiveness uh because for someone who you know knows how to win and knows what it takes and knows how to get a team ready there really wasn't any of that uh on display you know yet so far i don't know what you know i i kind of said you know made a a few jokes to to o'brien that you know the training camp was kind of like most of their training camps uh and you know we know how that results in their uh, play in, in the early season. So um, you know
0: they have one of their best early season runs in forever this year, which was again low standard, but mm. they did. Uh, but as I said, like I just want a little bit. More. I know why he tried to play like that because he knows, oh, we're gonna get four checked to death. We've got Tom Kuhnoff. But it's not but
1: it's started. not it's not think like I I mean. Like I don't want to waste time thinking, talking about that. I want to talk about how like it doesn't matter if you think that's what the Islanders are going to do because Brian Boyle, you know, there's enough evidence here that Brian Boyle is at best a thirteenth, twelfth, you know, forward on the team, the guy who's there to you know talk to to other forwards more than actually play hockey. Uh, and help other forwards more than play hockey. Uh, and, and so that's what he has to be. He can't be the third-line center. I mean, we're talking about the Flyers with Derek Grant, but, I mean, last I checked, Derek Grant had 20 goals this year. You know, like, that's not Brian Boyle.
0: Why isn't Nolichari starting on the wing? Like, no, stop it. Well, I mean, I mean,
1: I, I kind of understood that because, you know, if you're, you're thinking of wingers, you can play with Eric Halla which if we really want to talk about what's going, you know, what's going on, we, we have to talk about the front office and things like the Trocek trade. But, um, you know, when we talk, when we look at a center like Eric Halla, he's a chip and chase center. He He's not entering the zone with possession. And when he is, he takes three feet and usually tries to put the puck around a defenseman and skate to it or, you know, do a little dipsy doodle move. Uh, But, you know, it's, that doesn't matter. I mean, Hoffman can kind of play with it because Hoffman just needs, to get loose pucks and take shots so um, you know you can still get something out of Hoffman but when you put Hubert over there that you know that's ineffective. Um, you know who else are you gonna put there Vitrano? but Vetrano is really I mean I know a lot of hockey player uh, you know Florida fans like uh, Vetrano but I'm not I'm not sold he's somebody who is anything more than an average third liner.
0: You know, I, I like what he could be. I don't necessarily like what he is most of the time, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah,
1: but he's not somebody that you can put up in the second line with Holla. I mean, they're short on centers, uh, and, and that's why, you know, so- Sorella has to play, oh. and, and then Tippett has to play. I mean, you can still have – I mean, you're you're, you're playing Pissick at, at forward when he can probably still be more of an – asset at D and then you can still you know use him at forward yeah. if you need to he's
0: not a good defenseman but he's not going to play worse than Mike Matheson's played so like I mean that that's part of I mean story. and
1: it's not just Matheson it's I mean if I'm being honest I'm not too impressed with Riley Stillman lately and this is this goes beyond to the last cup this goes back to the last couple like of weeks, weeks of regular I will, season
0: I will agree with you I didn't like his game one I didn't think he had I, a, I
1: didn't like his exhibition game I haven't liked the last couple of weeks of his last season I mean and and when I saw Brady Keeper I saw you know it's it's the thing that's what Florida hasn't done well with identifying the type of the type of performances, uh, and th- that should get rewarded and the type of performances that should get punished. Uh, and that's kind of been the disconnect driving a lot of it that stems all the way up to the front office. Um, and it, it's frustrating to see I'd love, i I would love to be proven wrong, uh, I mean, and see a lot
0: of lineup changes for game 2 yeah. I really do
1: I mean we i i, I think you know Quinville's teasing it and I think what's going to happen is you know like Tunn might come out but you know like Hunt goes in or something like that well, you Ton- know
0: he's apparently hurt in some way so he's going to play if he's healthy um there's definitely that um but as I said I need Sorrell in the lineup I I need I need it
1: has to end. be in the lineup. like what at this point why is Tippett not in the lineup? He was on pace for 30 goals in the AHL. He's, he's – for an 11th overall draft pick, he's starting to become a late bloomer if you're not playing him at this point. So, so what's going on here? He's had an NHL shot and NHL speed and uh, NHL physicality since he's been 19. So what's really the issue here? Why aren't we playing him? And if so, if he's not ready yet, if Borgstrom's not ready yet, if all these players aren't ready yet and everything, after a decade of Dale Talon Talon, and, you know, five or six years of Eric Joyce.
0: Who might end up becoming the GM, who is completely responsible. Well, uh, you know, at this –
1: well, at this point, he's had five years of developing these prospects and done nothing with them, too, Eric Joyce. So uh, there's, he's just as – I mean, he's almost as culpable he's, as well, Dale he's more more
0: because He's working with these, these things every day. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if the Panthers go in that direction, which a lot of people think they are, well, then Eric and, Joyce has got to prove that he's not as bad as he was managing Springfield. And, and I have no evidence to suggest that he isn't that bad.
1: Damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's why you might as well watch the Flyers and the Avalanche because they're a more realistic realistic team.
0: Actual GM search if you're going to go that direction. Interview people. But they're
1: not because that's going to cost money. They can just save money by having Joyce slide up to GM.
0: Okay, can we talk about other things? Because I don't want to think about that right now. Uh, There's other, other other things that we saw in these games as we wrap up this little quickie show for you. Uh, hopefully, our next. Well, show-
1: I I I, I want to give Keeper a little shout out and explain why he should be playing over. Even you know, I I, I have him in my depth chart over Riley Stillman right now. And it's the poise with the puck. It's the poise without the puck. It's knowing that he's going to get the puck if he just continues to do what he's doing, if he follows his plan, so to speak. His positioning on ice, he's always hinging behind his partner. So when his partner's in trouble, he's always a, an option to him, but not just an option, an option that is in a safe area where it's easier to pass to and it's further away from the opposition. So it's not... You know, Mike Matheson made Pissick look bad a lot of times because he'd be giving him the puck in a bad spot. A little bit because Pissick wasn't putting himself in good spots, but also because, you know, Matheson was, you know, giving him hard to reach passes. But if you put yourself in a good spot and a puck comes into your feet, you have that time to corral it and still make put your pick your head up and make a good play. And Keeper has the ability to and the poise to do just that. Uh, and you know it, it's a short sample size. I'm not trying to say he's gonna be anything other than an NHL defenseman or you know beyond that, but it looks like if he does make it, it he, he thinks the right way and he thinks in the way that Florida is missing right now. Uh, we talked about how Florida doesn't, doesn't just need new defensemen. they need the right type of defenseman. Uh, and keepers, a free one right there
0: avalanche you need we talk about quiet defensemen you know that was another thing i noticed the panthers defensemen even their best defensemen are loud like you notice when they're on the ice you know what i mean and when you watch right. the flyers how often do you notice like those those like or colorado like they, they're not loud defensemen quiet defensemen that they that they need to do to support and they make the little plays so it makes them better. I talked about piano carriers and piano players. The Panthers have too many piano players on the blue line, and a lot of them can't play a, you know, uh, what's, a, what's a basic piano song? They can't play closing time by Semisonic. So you need piano carriers, and the Panthers, if Brady Keeper's a somewhat decent piano carrier, I'll take it. I think that metaphor is the best way of describing the defenseman conundrum the Panthers have.
1: He, he had a play where... Uh he was in front of his own net and there was kind of a, a puck battle in the, in the mid slot kind of in between the two hash marks of the, you know, left and right uh, offensive circle. And, and he was kind of, you know, the, the next level of that battle for the puck. And he was able to, you know, neutralize his, his player and then get that puck out and steer it into the corner and then get to the puck, and then keep two lightning players, you know, away from the puck, and then turn the puck up ice, find his winger, and put the puck on the tape. And the way he did that, you know, just calmly and efficiently, was something that you don't see in Florida, because what is it in Florida in the D zone? Chaos, 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 reactionary, always chasing, running, slapping pucks, loud hockey, slapping pucks off boards, you know... um, crashing into you know you know the boards and just running after the play uh and and he's usually in front of the play and getting there before guys and uh neutralizing opponents and just lifting sticks uh and and stuff like that so you know, he's not the biggest defenseman. I don't think he's going to make the biggest impact. He's not something that's going to change, you know, the trajectory of this season. They still need Ekbla to do well. Uh, you know, we talked about Strawman as.
0: How, how, how crazy was it to watch a Panthers game without, not just Ekblad, but without Uyghur and then one with them? Like,
1: I mean, it's night and day, and it shows you just, you know, what ac- actually having defensemen does. Look at Strawman. Strawman was. You know, the third highest played defenseman for, for the Panthers the first game against the Islanders, I believe. Uh, check me on that, uh, somebody. Oh, cool. um,
0: well, we can, we can
1: figure it out. He he played 20 minutes or something like that, you know, over 20 minutes. And so he was good defensively. He broke up a lot of plays. He got the puck moving in the right direction. But he's also really soft on the puck like we talked about so he was making he was turning over the puck a lot or making soft soft passes that got intercepted or didn't get to the intended target because they just didn't have the umph. they're not hard crisp passes on the tape and at some point you know you need to balance it out and realize strawman's gonna be much more effective at 15 minutes so you need to find a defenseman that you can play five more minutes, and you're willing to play Matheson right now. Because even with how much we talk about, they're overplaying Matheson, yada yada yada. They're still only playing Matheson like 11 minutes, which is like nothing for a defenseman. So, and he's having that negative of an impact. So just imagine, like if you could just swap him out with Brady Keeper, and it it, it will have you know maybe a big enough impact maybe not but it's it's all you can do it's all they can do because yeah, we
0: played nearly 22 minutes like yeah let's just no stop that like, like, and you need and, other defensemen because because and let's go look at mike matheson's numbers and you were texting me mike matheson played 1132 but it felt like mike matheson played a lot longer than that because every time he was on the ice you noticed him and it was not in a good way like that's what i'm talking about with quiet defensemen you know, like, Mackenzie Uyghur does all the little things. He's not a perfect defenseman, but it's the kind of, like, the Panthers need more Uyghurs. Because they do the quiet things, they do the simple things, and that gives the Aaron Ekblad a chance to be better at what he does. It makes Barkov, Huberto, and Dadunov better than they are otherwise. Because, again, like, Mike Matheson's playing 11 minutes, but every one of those 11 minutes, you're noticing what he's doing. And, and that means Anton Strauman's got to play more. That means Riley Stillman's got to play more. It, 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 it heightens the load on them. And that's why I'm saying if you find a quiet defenseman, even if it's Brady Keeper, and he does those quiet things a little bit better, well, then suddenly Anton Strauman's not playing that much. Suddenly you don't like, oh, I can't play Yandel and Matheson at even strength because God forbid they're going to make a stupid decision. And in a series against the Islanders, like if you give up a bad goal, suddenly you're in trouble because now the Islanders are going to suffocate you. And that's what we're talking about. And I know we're a broken record on it, but um, yes.
1: And and they don't have any real... I mean, we talk about how, you know, piano players, piano carriers, they have pretty much only piano carriers on, at Ford, which is an issue. So it's... Really puts them under strain when they fall behind because, you know, once they get the Huberto and Barkov goal, it's like, all right, they need what Hoffman to get an unblocked shot through on the power play. I
0: mean, to I, go I'm in. A fan of Eric Halla. I'm really not. I don't. I thought that his game was different than it was.
1: I and mean, was he's fun. okay. It's just that he's being asked to be a two C when he's yeah, not he's a two C, and and and, and especially a two C where. Where the plan it seems to be is to only have six forwards that know how to score and have six forwards that can't, and one of those six forwards be a defenseman that can't really do either.
0: Yeah, and that's 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 what's annoying to me. And I hope that that in this and this season, is
1: oh. this is a Hall of Fame coach that 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 still does this when you know he could at least put Owen Tippett in there, Sorella in there. He can at least put.
0: I'm sorry, I mean, he was good. We liked the game a lot.
1: I don't know, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because Kitchen isn't there, or I mean, he seems to be involved still. They say, but well, I I don't understand how they could, after everything they went through and the months off to sit and think about it, still go back at it with that defense
0: as a forward. Yeah, it's yeah it's, with oh, yeah. with all of
1: that. I mean, it's. It uh, how 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 much longer can we stay on this podcast and say the exact same things over and over again? Uh, bottom six forwards, where's the defense that do this this and that? All all they have is defense to do this this and this. And Dale Talon's, you know, underachieving in this. I mean, it's it's not that Dale Talon's an old hockey. Guy, it's not that Dale Talons this or that. It's that Dale Talons failed to do what he said he would do. He said he would build from the back out. It took him until this year to get Bobrovsky and a competent goalie, and he had to do it by overpaying. I mean, he, he got Luongo and everything, but that was never
0: going never a long term solution. That now, was let's be fair. The people who came before him tried that with James Reimer, and that really didn't work. But I think what we've learned, we learned here is it's if you don't have and you don't have the system to make it work. Because Reimer's fine in Carolina, but the Hurricanes are better. Let you me know.
1: finish. They they just never have brought in ta- talent. Talon has never brought in the type of talent that the blueprint said he needed. He was never brought, built from the back out. They never had those centers they talked about. They never had the defense they talked about. They never had the goalies they talked about. They never had... You know, they never played the young guys. They never drafted and developed. The end result is that Talon hasn't lived up to his original blueprint. He hasn't built from the back end. He hasn't gotten the centers he talked about or the defense he's talked about. And when he, you know, he tra- when he trades out value, uh, assets of value like Chotrek, they just like other GMs with Bo Meister or whatever, they never get fair value back.
0: Listen, I'm not going to say that Dale Talon is a bad GM because he's a traditional hockey guy, et cetera, et cetera. He's bad GM because he's done a bad job. Like We do exactly. bring in the pretense. You know, I don't need to see Steve Simmons tell me, oh, the Panthers are trying to outthink anybody because they brought in Eric Joyce. No, I'm going to tell you Eric Joyce is a bad GM because his management of Springfield sucks. Like, I'm just going to say it as it is. Like, there are plenty of new school hockey guys that are terrible, you know, that well, the Panthers found out the hard way that you just because somebody has good numbers doesn't mean that they know what they're doing when it comes to managing a team you know and just because somebody's an old school hockey guy like uh, we we're skeptical of chuck fletcher but the flyers are where they are right now because of some of the moves that fletcher made so again it is not simple as traditional hockey guy bad when it comes to being a gm you just have to have the ideas of what you want to do and, and execute on that, and I don't think the Panthers really, other than since that early days of the quote-unquote blueprint, they've ever really had that. So, I hope that that changes and maybe Eric Joyce will change, they, it. I, but I doubt it. They they have,
1: you know, a better core than they've had before, and if they, you know, they can keep it together, they're going to be able to keep it together for three more years or whatever, because they're all on their contract for that, but it's going to be, you know, what can they do after that? What can they make of it? And it. They haven't shown me enough to trust that they can you know, draft right, they can move the Matheson contract, they can move out from Yandel when it's necessary, all this different stuff to turn over this defense because they're at the top of the cap. They have to do it somehow. They have to make the room. And we've talked about how they don't get value when they make trades out. Uh, They don't get the necessary value back. So I'm worried about that, that they can then – add in the defenseman they need to do because they need to add an, NHL-ready they need an whether, NHL ready defenseman, whether
0: they need a top four defenseman and a second line.
1: They need a number one. They don't, I mean, well, let's be yeah. honest. They need a number one defenseman. They have a number two defenseman. They have a cup. They have Weger. Who's like a second pair of defensemen. Uh They have a couple of really good third pair defensemen, but they could use a top four defenseman and a number one defenseman. Yeah, I think, you know, called Chania could be another top four defenseman. Maybe it's Gildan. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's somebody they're about to draft this draft. Who knows? But I, d- I don't think there's a number one defenseman or at least a number one defenseman soon in this year's draft coming up. It's not like, you know, there's a, uh, a, a McCarr or a Heiskanen right, right there this year. So
0: uh, a couple things before we wrap this up, I will say, um, I loved Austin Matthews dunking on Steve Simmons for reporting he had COVID and then everybody blaming Austin Matthews for that. Like, come on, really? Like, that's what we're going to do here? I mean. It, it's,
1: yeah, I mean.
0: That was, that, was, that was really, that was not good. I didn't, I, I, I didn't like that. And I'm like, here's a guy who actually creates a little something, you know, Austin Matthews, and he has issues in his past. I understand that. But he created a little something and we're blaming him for that. I mean, it's not his fault that the Leafs couldn't do anything against it. I mean, somewhat his fault, but it's not, like, not entirely his fault that the Leafs couldn't do anything against the Blue Jackets. I mean, you wanted to see Panthers-Islanders again? I just saw that Blue Jackets-Leafs. I mean, like, that was textbook what I saw uh, in that game. And it shows you that style of hockey, as much as you hate it, it works if you do it right. Um, but again, like, th- that, that stuff was a little bit bad. And, of course, it's the Toronto media, they're going to freak out. Um, hey, Columbus, look at the defensemen they have. I mean, yeah, they have a and Jones, but also even guys behind him, Ryan Murray, some of these other guys, yeah. they, they, they just, they do their job. They do the simple things They do the smart stuff and it makes your team better because again, the, the Leafs, and I noticed this too, again, their best defensemen are loud. They are loud defensemen too often. I'm thinking, Oh, why is Cody CC doing that? Like, they don't have enough. I don't know
1: if I'd call Cody Cc their best well, not defenseman,
0: not but, CC, but I'm just it is an example? Like that's the thing that if that undoes the Toronto Maple Leafs, like that's the thing that because their forward group is insane, it's amazing. But again, they what what it is is you just there's a quiet defenseman if there's one, and I guess Jake Muzzin is that. But then they've still got even other guys that are just still too loud. You know, just quiet defensemen. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things I wanted to get to. Uh, so I'm just kind of at the end here, I'm just kind of rattling them off. Um, the the first being look at the, the, some of the best teams here we talked about the Avalanche and Flyers, but you know, all, a lot of these other teams in the, the round Robin, um, the lightning, you know, you, you've seen, but how deep they are how like their third liners are guys like nomesikov burkowski nechuskin not dominic toninato you know like there's there's just a a whole different level and the goal the goal is to beat those teams and and you know the the panthers have a chance to win this they, they have a realistic chance to beat the Islanders. They have a real, realistic chance to even maybe win the first round in the playoffs. But that's kind of where they top out at, as far as expectations should go. Uh, and that's not good enough to keep Barkov around. That's not good enough to keep Judo around. That's not good enough for paying $6 million for, uh, you know, uh, Quinville for having Ekblad. You know, you need to use these guys while you have them because it's going to take you a while to get there. And everyone can say, oh, you know, let's just turn it around when Spencer Knight gets here. Uh, the transition, we've seen, it's really easy to kind of tear teams down. It's hard to build them back up. Uh, and just because Spencer Knight is a good prospect, we've seen what Florida's done with prospects before. Uh, we, you know, what's what centers are they going to get? They still don't have any good center prospects. I mean, so what? W- you know, how quick is this future going to be and how painful is it going to be to get there? Uh, so, you know, they're going to have to, they have to, yeah.
0: Do you so. know, what's ironic, because I know uh, that uh, most people watched uh, game one in South Florida with a hurricane on their doorstep. Uh, tomorrow, um, we're recording this again on Monday afternoon, the same Isaias is going to roll up right through where we both live. So there's a chance we might lose power during that game. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Who knows?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be a f- great, fascinating game to watch uh, and, and cheer for the team, uh, for sure. I I also just wanted to point out that um, I don't want to see too much hate on Barkov, etc. cetera, uh, and Huberto. They um, they had a great game one, I think, for, for the situation. I mean, maybe not the best they could have done. And, yes, at times they can play good enough to lift Florida out of that and make them start playing on time on their own, et cetera, but they played well enough. Uh, It's hard to play. And when every time you're getting on the ice, you have to win back momentum from the other team. Uh, Your shifts are only 45 seconds. Uh, And then when you get off the ice, it's a 50, 50 chance that line two keeps the momentum. And then after that line three and four usually drop momentum and give it back to the other team. So then it's your turn back up again. You know, that, that's a tough task. Uh, and you see, you know, Barzell didn't have a great game. You see other teams so far in this playoffs that, as much as they're a great team, uh, they have to be a great team because your top line is going to get shut down because playoff hockey is a, a lot about defense. The perfection Mo- line
0: did Zippo. In right,
1: the- yeah, against Philadelphia. I've, and- I've
0: never, it's been a long time since I've watched a game with the Bruins and I saw that line do, like, next to nothing.
1: Yeah, so you know that's why it's important to have somebody like Tippett who, just off a rush, can has that has the ability to just pick a corner and just surprise a goalie because he hasn't seen Tippett play that much. You know what I mean? He doesn't really expect to know what he's gonna do or you know that kind of stuff. It's it's a game of inches, and when you're playing a team like the Islanders where it's gonna be two one, and your shots you're gonna get are usually gonna be from the outside or off the rush or you know and that's just how your team's structured anyway i can't believe they're not playing tippet i can't believe they're not playing so some guys that can get them more of these opportunities um and let and seeing what chances they have because it's the, the way bob's playing right now uh if quinville can kind of snap into it and start you know managing you know like he's back in chicago and he's trying for something versus you know hey i'm on south beach you know whatever uh it'll it'll be it'll be interesting series and i think he can give islanders and trots a run for their money and i think you know barkov will will step up accordingly with that and huberto as well and uh i I think you'll see you know hoffman I, i i think hoffman will start getting some better power play shots if they bring barkov off the front of the net and let barkov set Hoffman up instead of having it go the other way. I think it's just uh, it's just stale right now, and they need to give Hoffman a new setup guy. Uh, and Barkov's not doing anything on the power play, so there's my big rant. Uh, Florida can do something if only they want to. Blah blah blah, well, same well, old stuff.
0: Thoughts on these other games briefly?
1: Um, Arizona, so you know, good hilarious. for them.
0: That was they their GM goes into circus mode and they still win that was that was uh, pretty impressive. I would love it if Arizona won. That would be hilarious. Cuz Taylor Hall would finally technically win a playoff series.
1: Chicago's going to Chicago's going to oh, play well god. enough to oh, bring god. up Oh the, my god. They're going to bring up the Duncan Keith to Florida rumors oh, because god. Duncan Keith's going to have a good playoffs and then it's going to oh, be like, "Oh, will Dale he Talon be reunited?"
0: If Dale Town leaves, does then that mean those rumors go away cuz he's not there anymore?
1: No, cuz we have Quinville. They're going to be el- oh, ever ending. Jeez.
0: Well, you know he was bad in that game, and the only reason why the, he looked better by comparison is because the Oilers were just pathetic. They were yeah, terrible. the perfect
1: first round matchup.
0: I mean, it, it it was just like ugh. I mean, I bet I, the I over. My bet the over. When I made my predictions, I made I didn't predict any sweeps because I knew that that wasn't going to happen because these 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 games are going to be too odd. That's why I didn't predict Pittsburgh was going to beat Montreal in a sweep, and of course Montreal ends up winning. Um, I didn't think that the only lower seed I ended up predicting was the Jets and then two of their best players get hurt. So of course, and then maybe Josh Morrissey just got hurt as I'm watching because he just blocked the shot with a skate, like, like, hilarious. Um, but I mean, so most of it, I mean, there, there's a, it's been just fun to watch the hockey. We will have another show, uh, very shortly. Hopefully that means we can talk about Panthers wins, but who knows? Uh, but I'm just happy that hockey's back. And now I'm going to have a couple of choices in a few days where I get to watch uh, the Champions League or the NHL. That is a very difficult decision. And I'm glad that I have a good decision to make because there is no wrong answer there.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm very excited that we can do this Y Hockey show. Enjoy it. Um, hopefully the Panthers start winning again. I have mild optimism that they can make it happen. But then again, I guess mild optimism is not something you should ever have with the Panthers. But enjoy- I'm enjoying the hockey. I'm enjoying having it. I'm just enjoying watching it from the minute I wake up to the minute I go. to It's very much like Mark Fandis. Oh, look, Calgary just scored as we are recording this. So it is, uh, it's fun. I'm enjoying it, and I hope all of you are enjoying it too. We will be back soon with more of this nonsensical Why Hockey thing that we do. Thank you, Tommy, for setting this up, and uh, enjoy your hockey.
1: Thank you. I will. You too.